Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now, when you get up in the morning, do you ever notice if you feel a little stiff? You know, as we get older, it could be a sign of arthritis. And boy, when it gets bad enough, some folks even have trouble going up and down the stairs. If you have a really hard time walking and you can't get around, it might mean that it's time to take a look at some of your joints, like your knees. What can be done? Are all joints replaced the same? What else can be done other than doing that? Well, today we have Dr. Mark Santi in the studio. He's the chief of surgery and orthopedic specialist at Kaiser Permanente. And we're going to talk about the signs and symptoms of knee arthritis, when it's too early to have surgery, and when it's time to consider possibly even replacing your joints. Dr. Santi, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, a lot of people, you know, they they feel like their joints, they get a little arthritis, they get older. Uh, you know, here in Hawaii, we have a lot of folks who are extremely active. What are the signs of troubles of arthritis? And I know that you do a lot of work with knees. So let's talk knees, and then we'll talk about some other joints. But what are the signs of knee arthritis? I mean, I think of it as like you get stiff in the morning, you get out of bed, and maybe you have trouble going up and down the stairs, and maybe you have some pain when you do some activity. But what would when you see people, what symptoms do they have? Yeah, I think the main thing they have is pain. I mean, that's kind of – it's simple, but it's true. They, they just feel like, hey, my knees hurt. They didn't used to hurt when I was 35 or 40. Now my knees starting to bother me, and they hurt me so much that I can't do what I want to do. So it's really the fact that they have pain – but it's limiting their activity. Right. It's both. I think people come in just with pain. And then some people say, listen, I just can't do – I can't walk 18 holes of golf anymore. I can't, you know, I can't go to the mall. I can't do all the stuff I used to want to do. And my knees hurt. You know, can you help me out? That's kind of what they usually come in with. Now, what sort of preparation – do they do prior to that? You know, so like I'm in primary care, so I'll see a patient, they'll say my knees hurt. We may go ahead and get some x-rays, see if they have some arthritis, do some physical therapy, talk with them about, you know, starting medication, whether it be Tylenol or Aleve or Advil or something along those lines. You see them when when they're at a different stage. Yeah, exactly. So usually I see them the next step, right? So they've tried a lot of those things and um, usually an insurance like yourself says, listen, this isn't helping as much as you'd want, why don't we go send you to the orthopedic guy? And that's when they usually typically see me. Although sometimes they come in earlier and sometimes they come in really late where they've had pain for 30 years and they literally come in in a wheelchair. So it's a little bit all over the map, but typically you're right. They come in after seeing their primary care doctor and want some answers. So let's talk about mild, moderate, severe. So for people who come in who maybe tried some physical therapy, they still can't do the activities they enjoy doing, whether it be biking or hiking or any kind of outdoor stuff that they like to do. At what point would you consider it to be mild, and what would be your treatment for mild knee arthritis? Yeah, so there's mild symptoms, and then there's mild x-ray findings. And so what you try to do, and the, the real art is to try to match those. And the reason I say that is someone comes in with um, severe symptoms, but their x-rays don't look like they have bad arthritis. That's not someone you jump in and have a knee replacement on. Because just because they have bad symptoms doesn't mean you need a knee replacement. Cause it could be something else. It could be something else. Or they've got a low pain threshold or it's tendonitis. So so you, you de- when you talk about knee replacement surgery, you definitely want to make sure they have at least moderate arthritis on x-ray. So you need an objective 
objective measure that they have truly arthritis. And then you try to match that with their symptoms. So sometimes it doesn't match. It, it doesn't match a lot, actually. And, so, some, and sometimes both ways. Sometimes people come in with terrible symptoms and very little arthritis and vice versa. They come in with not bad symptoms with horrible x-rays. So let's talk about the the person who comes in with mild symptoms that, well, let's say mild findings on an x-ray, yep. but serious symptoms. Right. What are some of the other potential knee conditions that you would want to rule out if their pain level seems to be out of proportion to their x-ray? Right. Well, based on age, you might want to get an MRI. Um, and the reason I say that is over the age of 60, MRI is not that sensitive for meniscal pathology or some other things that could happen. But under 60, I think you'd start with an MRI. Um, if they have mild arthritis, you look for a meniscus tear. They may have a tendonitis, quadriceps, patellar tendonitis. They could have a loose body. They could have actually just some folks come with generalized you know, arthritic condition, um, just generalized lupus, generalized rheumatoid arthritis. Stuff cer- that cer- might not th- compare right. and with their x-ray might not be consistent. Right, right. So, so you've got to be a, an inv- you know, a little investigator with that sense. Would a history of injury make you think more in one direction mm-hmm. versus another? Yeah, I think that's probably the thing that ticks you off. Say, I hurt my knee when I was in my 40s or at 40, and now I'm getting worse and worse and worse. Then you're probably convinced it's probably post-traumatic arthritis and not one of these other things, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, the host of other things that, that you injured to take care of. Sure. Now, we talked about, you mentioned something that I want to just uh, clarify a little bit, post-traumatic arthritis. So if somebody's had repetitive knee injuries, none of them bad enough to really have them stop doing a particular sport, but they've had it often enough. That can actually instigate arthritis changes earlier in them than it might in another joint that they're not using the same way. Yeah, that's absolutely true, particularly around the knee. It's a funny thing. Arthritis, there's a genetic component for sure, for sure. We see Many people that have never had a knee injury and they've got bad arthritis and they say, my mom had arthritis. And there's a, definitely a genetic component. But there's also a traumatic component, folks, that if it weren't for these bad injuries, probably would never have gotten arthritis. And you, you definitely see that, and particularly in Hawaii. Well, and it's funny because sometimes, you know, I heard, this, uh, I heard this phrase once and they said, you rarely ever see retired NFL players walking without some type of assistive device or without a limp. That in fact, if you're in a extreme sport, and we'll say extreme either because of the sport or because of your capacity in it. So if you make it to NFL, you're probably really good, right? So that if you wind up having a lot of repetitive injuries over time, as you get older, you might be a guy who in your 40s or 50s has severe arthritis because of previous trauma and overuse. Absolutely. And yet you could also be somebody who in their 70s has that level of arthritis because maybe you don't have that same history of continued overuse or use to an extreme. That's correct. Yep. So the mild cases of people who have severe symptoms but mild x-ray findings Basically, if they're below 60, we look for some other explanation for their symptoms. If they're above 60, MRI would not be as helpful because of just some of the changes in the knee. Yeah, MRI just shows too much. I mean, honestly, um, they've done good studies of asymptomatic people over 60 uh, with positive MRI findings, and it's up to 30 to 50 percent. These are people without. So so you've got to use the MRI judiciously when you get over 60. Um, And you don't want to go down a path where, you know, there's a meniscal tear on a 70-year-old. You don't want to chase that because they may have nothing to do with it. And, sure. And so, so under 60, I think you look for other symptoms. Um, but, but if you've got 
x-ray findings at any age that look like arthritis, then you don't need an MRI. Then you kind of know where it's at. The cartilage is damaged. The joint's malaligned. I don't need an x-ray. I don't need, excuse me, I don't need an MRI for that. Sure. Um, So a little bit both ways. Well, and that's where your professional expertise comes into play and your judgment and when you see the individual. You know, it's funny because they look at MRI statistics. Same thing for the back. You know, about 50% of all people who do MRIs of the back have findings that don't cause many symptoms. It's almost one of those things where you don't want to tell them, hey, man, you've got some seriously damaged discs in your back because someone without back pain may now just start to notice they have more back pain or not exercise or let their back deteriorate a little bit because we've kind of given them that little, that piece of knowledge that never affected them before. So same thing with the knee. I mean, if you do okay walking and exercising, no reason to stop that. If we find too much, we might make you restrict yourself and that's not good either. Yeah, I mean, that's the art of medicine. Many patients come in and want an MRI, and, and that's okay. I like patients to be well-read and to blog and to read things on the Internet. However, you know, not everyone needs one, and you definitely can go down the, the wrong path with certain pathology that may not be related to their symptoms. Well, and that brings up the issue of when do you actually need to do the MRI and when is it appropriate? You know, because there are times when you go to do a procedure like that, and it's, it has nothing to do with cost, really. I mean, yes, MRIs are expensive, but it's, that's not the limiting factor. You have to ask yourself, what am I going to do with the results? That's exactly right. Are these results going to change what I do in some fashion? And if they are, then let's do the test with any test, you know, whether it be MRI or even an X-ray. What am I going to do differently if I see these results? If nothing... Why am I doing it? Because it's not, it shouldn't be a scientific experiment on our side to try and figure out what the answer is to explain it and then say, but I can't treat you, so you're stuck. Right. All right. So let's talk about another scenario. You mentioned most people come in with moderate findings on x-rays and moderate levels of symptoms. Right. So that's now, now we're getting into more of the total knee uh, issue. Um, so if they've got moderate x-ray findings and they're moderately symptomatic, um, you know, then you start thinking about about different modalities that, to decrease inflammation. And you mentioned a couple. Um, Tylenol is a great, very, very great med that uh, is just underappreciated because it's so cheap. I think, but it's a well, fanta- and it's safe too. It's and a fantastic painkiller. Yeah. It's safe, and in and in studies, it's actually probably as good as, as NSAIDs, the Advil, Motrin, and much safer. But there's the medication thing. Um, you can do. Uh, physical therapy and strengthening your your knee helps somewhat actually uh, by strengthening quadricep helps you patellar track better so that's a modality um, weight reduction sometimes a good modality and then injections into the joint of different different things and we could we could talk for an hour on that believe me but uh, well we <laughs> won't talk for an hour about it but we're going to take a quick break yeah. I'm Dr Kathleen Kozak you're listening to the Body Show I'm here with Dr Mark Santi he is the chief of surgery and an orthopedic surgeon and expert at Kaiser Permanente when we come back we're going to talk some more about what are some of those things we inject in the knee and then when do we hit the point where knee replacement is necessary and how what kind of preparation and how does that all work so we'll be right back after this quick break stay with us Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Locations, Nohea Gallery, and Straub Clinic and Hospital. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Mark Santi. He is an orthopedic expert, chief of surgery at Kaiser Permanente. And we're talking today about knee arthritis. When is it mild? When is it moderate? When does it get to be considered severe? And at what point 
our replacements something that we do. So right before the break, we were talking a little bit about, a bit about some of the conservative modalities. So Tylenol, a lot of people will say, I wait until it hurts really bad to take it. I kind of advocate for people, particularly as they get older, don't lose your balance and fall because you're in so much pain and you're afraid of Tylenol. So if you have to take it every day and that keeps you from falling and breaking a hip, Please take it every day. You know, barring any type of liver problems, it's a very safe medication. And the other thing that that I think people completely underestimate is the value of doing physical therapy. I've never had somebody go to physical therapy and say it made me worse. If they really do have a condition where muscle strengthening is necessary, what a great way to learn how to keep their body healthy. Yeah, there's there's almost nothing that doesn't get better with getting stronger. Exactly, I would think, you know. So so then you mentioned that sometimes you need to do injections. Now, there's a variety of different things you can inject. I guess the question that I would have is, in my, in my limited understanding of what we inject, this is sort of a way to temporize the symptoms so that you can either do the strengthening exercises to stabilize your joint or potentially put off doing a procedure until later if you can or if you need to optimize some other health condition. But I've never seen injections cure arthritis of a joint. And they never will, <laughs> at least in our lifetimes. Um, I think that's exactly right. You want to inject somebody to either A, just buy more time, B, decrease their symptoms, or actually some folks I see will save an injection till they have a great event coming up. They're going to go on a tr- cruise. They're going to go walk the Great Wall of China. They're going to get married. Their kids are going to get married. So a lot of folks, we just use it judiciously. We know that they've got arthritis. They're not yet ready for a joint replacement. So we're going to use injections intermittently just to get them through the high points of their life. So let's talk about steroid injections in particular. Is there ever a point where you just you can't have any more? You've had too many. Yeah, that's a great question, and without a great answer, um, everyone's got a different answer. I sort of put it at five to seven injections in that joint in a lifetime. Um, that's just basic kind of uh, what we've kind of come up with. The problem with steroids, they decrease the metabolism of the cartilage. And they decrease the inflammatory response, which is why they work so well. But that probably has an effect on the cartilage itself. And it does have an effect on the ligaments. So if you've had seven cortisone shots in your knee, it might be time to start thinking about having your knee replaced. But, yeah, cortisone is tried and true, great great drug, easy to inject, safe, painless. The problem is that it makes people feel like Superman or Superwoman. (laughs) And then they go do all these things that normally they wouldn't do with their body. And it's like, oh, okay, I can go walk the Great Wall of China. This will be fabulous. I'm going to go on this long walk and then come home and be like, my knee hurts more than ever. Because maybe the cortisone gave them this false sense of I can do it all when they probably should have kind of pace to themselves a well, little bit. And you've got to watch that. In my other, my other life uh, as a team physician for, for college, um, you've got to watch that. You don't want to inject cortisone before a big game for that exact reason. You don't want to inject somebody so they can do something they don't normally do. And pa- without that pain receptor right. to say, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, pain is, pain is a wonderful thing in a lot of ways. It keeps us from doing a lot of stupid things. We would hope. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say that for certain. All right. Let's talk about that situation where someone comes in to see you, and it really becomes clear and obvious that you're talking knee replacement. So that would be somebody who has either severe findings on an x-ray that are concerning with symptoms. You know, you would never do surgery on somebody if they came in with horrible x-rays and no symptoms. That's exactly right. I mean, I think w- the way I handle things... It- 
I decide if you're a candidate for knee replacement based on the findings on x-ray. You do, you've got the disease. You've got the problem. And then I tell the patient, you tell me when you want the operation. I don't tell you. You tell me when you're tired of the pain. You tell me when it's inhibiting your lifestyle. So I've made the diagnosis. We're pretty sure that your, that your knee's arthritic. We've injected with cortisone. It's gotten way better for three months. Now the pain's returned. So we're pretty sure that this is going to be a great option for you. Now you tell me when to do it. And sometimes it's never. Very some, true. It depends on the age, depends on other reasons. And people, some people just say, okay, thanks a lot. Sounds like too big of an operation. Other people say, sign me up. Well, and I think age also plays a role in that. You know, I've seen some folks who in their 90s have symptoms that are severe, but they're in their 90s. The rest of their health may or may not allow them to proceed with a big surgery. Or maybe they're already in a wheelchair for yeah. some other condition. So it really doesn't make sense to do a big surgery on someone who's older who doesn't have that capacity to do something afterwards that they can't do now. So the key is it's an elective surgery. That's correct. So, so those folks, by the way, those, those are the ones where I'll break that five to seven cortisone shot rule. I've got some folks that are literally in their 90s, <laughs> mid-90s, and they come in every four months, and I've probably injected them 15 times. And, and, you kind of have to And why not, point. right? You know, I mean, I remember one guy who was 95, and he was getting injections regularly, and it was helping him for three or four months. And that was all he needed because he had other conditions for which right. his lifespan was not expected to be five more years. So in that situation, it just helped tide him over to the next time. And it was safer, again, than losing your balance because something hurts and then falling and breaking a hip. I mean, I think anything is safer than falling and breaking <laughs> a hip, really. So some people are scared of the surgery. They think it's a huge, big surgery and the recovery takes years. And myth busts this a little bit for us. The surgery itself takes how long? It takes about an hour to do. And so after that, usually the first day, the next day, people are already up with assistance to try and get their body moving. Absolutely. We get folks up, and everybody does that day, typically, um, up and moving. Um, the problem is it hurts. And so uh, usually most folks use peripheral nerve blocks, so you numb the leg. And so for the first 24 hours, actually usually pretty good. When that block wears off, then it hurts. So I say the first first one to four days, pretty darn painful. You're up walking around on a walker, but it's not your best week by far. Um, second week, now you're starting to make some progress. Things are getting better, but you don't want to undersell it too much. These operations are painful. They take a while to recover from. And uh, even though we do things much less invasive as we did maybe 20 years ago, that's still a pretty big operation that hurts. Well, and I think sometimes people underestimate. They'll say, well, I'm having surgery on Monday. I'm going to be sent home on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm sure I'll be fine. I'll be able to be at home and do everything at home. And they don't realize you might be discharged from the hospital, but that does not mean that you're going up and down the stairs of your house. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing now, Kathy, some folks are going home the next day, and there are some folks going even that day. Right. And so some folks are having knee replacements as outpatients or home the next day. And uh, yeah, you've got to, first you've got to have a motivated patient. You've got to tell them, hey, this is going to hurt. Uh, and some folks just want to be home, which is okay. There's no real magic to being in the hospital, as you know. Um, There's no magic. <laughs> Where do the weird germs happen to live yeah. in the hospital? Where is it really noisy and you can't get sleep because <laughs> right. they wake you up to check your blood pressure in the hospital? When else would you get woken up to check your weight at 4 a.m.? <laughs> right. Hopefully you don't get up at home to check your weight at that point. 
So there are definitely pluses. And there's a reason why we're transitioning this to more of an outpatient procedure. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio. You're listening to The Body Show. We've got Dr. Mark Santi in the studio. He is an orthopedic surgeon and an expert at Kaiser Permanente. We'll be right back and we'll talk more about this surgical process and what realistically is the recovery time for those people who really do need to do a total joint replacement. We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Kaiser Permanente and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Today, I am happily joined by Dr. Mark Santi. He is the Chief of Surgery at Kaiser Permanente. He is an orthopedic expert. And we're talking today about the knees. And so we've talked a little bit about mild symptoms, moderate symptoms, severe symptoms, to the point where someone needs surgery. And, you know, you mentioned that as we look at this in the future, it really is going to be an outpatient procedure, not because people are going to go home and be able to run up and down the stairs, but because they're going to be able to go home and participate in home physical therapy and be in their own environment where they don't have to worry about all the potential risks of being in a hospital. Yeah, I think that's key. I think the, the whole key about sending folks home early is you've got to control their pain. Now, some folks just need IV pain medicine. You just you can't do enough to give them pain, but that's really the only reason to keep folks in the hospital is uh, is really for pain management and maybe urinary retention in some older males. Those are kind of the two things. If you can cross those two bridges, you can go home. There's nothing magic about a hospital. Well, and anybody who's been in one, <laughs> yeah. other than doctors, I mean, to me, it's like a second home. I'm like, oh, I know where everything is. But for a lot of particular, for, for those patients who are nervous about it, it really does kind of scare them to be stuck there for so long. Now, it doesn't mean you can go home and live by yourself. It means that you're probably going to need some help. You definitely need help. I and mean, one of the whole checklists is you've got to have someone to help you. You've got to have a home that's conducive to this. You, you've got to meet some criteria. We just certainly don't send everybody home. But I think the future is is probably either outpatient or at least overnight stays for almost all joints. And hips are even better. Uh, a lot of hips can definitely go. Hips don't hurt quite as much as knees to be replaced. And it might be easier to maneuver a little bit. Yep. Now, when we talk about having surgery, what realistically would be the recovery time? So, you know, somebody might have the surgery, you said, by about the second week, they're feeling a little bit better. For them to get back to doing their activities, let's start off with just walking without a walker or a cane. How long on average? I realize it varies per person, but how long does that generally take? About a month or so? Yeah, exactly. Some folks will lose that cane in two or three weeks. Some folks might take six to eight weeks. Um, But I think at six weeks, I tell folks, you've kind of broken even. In other words, the limitations you have post-op are probably about what you had pre-op. So six weeks is kind of the break-even point with respect to mobility. Now, you may have a little more pain than you did because there's still some swelling. But at six weeks, I think people start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They may even say, wow, I'm really glad I had this done. The first six weeks, maybe not so much. And then at three months, I think most folks are back to most occupations. Now, they're still having some swelling, still having some stiffness. But at three months, they've really kind of got their life back. Six months, you're hoping they're pretty darn good and they're thinking of having the other side done. At a year, though, is kind of when they reach their steady state. At about one year, they've kind of got what they've got. And if you still have some limitation and it's not your opposite knee, that's where you're at. That's kind of you've got what you got, exactly. Now, you mentioned that they, at three months or so, they can get back to doing their activities and work and stuff. If someone is working a full-time job and it's a fairly sedentary job, 
How long would they need to consider being out of work before they'd be able to go back? Yeah, some folks, you know, work right from home, right? But if you've got a job, if you can get in and out of work, that's really the limiting factor. Some folks, I have a you know, flight of steps to get into work. Makes it difficult. Uh, right, or I've got to walk, you know, across the parking lot. But if you can get to work safely, you can, you can teeter around pretty quickly, probably in a couple weeks. You just got to be able to rest a little bit, and you've got to know you're going to get a little cranky. <laughs> Your knee's going to swell a little bit. So if you're in uh, public relations or a radio talk show host, that might not pr- be probably a good not plan. be the yeah, best thing to go. go back in two weeks. But um, you know, you it's you get a little cranky at the end of the day. So for those folks who do go back, they go back to doing their regular activities. You mentioned doing the opposite side. I think that's an important point because if you have arthritis, is it common that people have it just in one knee versus the other? Or is it pretty common that if you got it in your left, you got it in your right? It's very common to have it in both knees. Usually one is worse than the other. And in fact, most people come in and I always say, you know, which knee hurts the most? And they'll always have an answer. And then many times they'll change it. Three weeks later, I, my right side's the worst for sure. We're going to do the right side. And then you get a phone call. Hey, you know what? Let's do my left first. I mean, it's, it's kind of variable. And, uh, but definitely m- the majority of people I say would have uh, arthritis in both knees. But there's always typically one that bothers them more than the other. So would you always do the worst one first? Always do it. Now that, you know, again, there's a whole hot topic about doing both at one time. And we do that, you know, not frequently, but we do do both knees sometimes. But that has to be a very motivated patient who understands uh, the risks, which are slightly higher, and the recovery is a little tougher those first couple of weeks when you've had both knees done. I can only imagine because you don't have one side <laughs> that you can kind of rely on. You don't on. have a leg to stand on. That's what Literally, <laughs> you don't have a leg to stand on. It also brings up the idea that for those people who consider wanting to age in place, take a look at where you live. And if you live in a place where there are stairs all over your house and you know that you're getting older and you're having some problems with arthritis, take a look and see if you can modify some of that to make it one floor living or to get ramps or chairlifts or some way to accommodate your potential future needs. Well, that's actually part of the pre-op process is we talk about that with every single patient and we have them go to joint classes, they meet with our coordinator, and that is absolutely a prerequisite. You've got to be able to get in and out of your house. And if that means you have stairs, you better- You've got to get in and out of someone else's house. You've got to get in and out of someone else's house. You can move to the first floor. You've got to do something. You know, you can't just go home and and crawl up the stairs. That's not going to get it done. No, not at all. And luckily, you know, there are chairlifts and things that you could do. There are things but you can do, but that's a prerequisite. You've got to be able to get you got to have to figure that out. Yeah, beforehand. Yeah, because, you know, otherwise you're just going home and potential risk for falls, et cetera. Do you, how long do joint replacements, particularly knees, how long do they last these days? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It little depends on how much you use them. I think uh, that's the problem with doing them on a lot of younger, super active folks. They probably wear out sooner. I mean, Bo Jackson, right, everyone remembers him, has his hip replacement at 29. He's on like his fourth one now, I think it is. So, you know, you have, you have a joint replacement early. You do put a lot of wear and tear. It wears out earlier. So we, we sort of have this don't have one under the age of 50. That's kind of a rough rule. We break it all the time. We do younger guys than Sometimes 50. Sometimes you have to, sure. Right. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully the last 10 to 15 years. And, some, and they don't fail catastrophically. I want to make that point. People say the knee only lasts 15 years. It's not like the engine breaks down. It, it's a very insidious process. And your knee just starts, you know, my knee's starting to hurt a little more than it used to. X-ray, it's a little loose. It's a very insidious. It's not a catastrophic failure. So you don't just – the expiration just doesn't go off. It's at 10, 12, 15 years, hey, this knee's not as good as it used to be. You look at the x-rays, you know you might need a revision, and then you, then you start the whole process again, and maybe we should do another one. And you can. Absolutely. 
So if you've had a prosthesis and you need to have another one done, there is a possibility Absolutely. that you can do that. Yeah. It's, and not- it's funny. You know, most folks, that, you know, you look at the studies, most folks you think, well, you know, I don't know. If, ah, maybe it's not that bad. And so a lot of folks may have some symptoms and don't have a revision. So you might have a knee replacement at 60 and it might last you 30 years. Not that it, you, you start having pain at 15 or 20, but most folks say, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, they've been through it before. Yep. So they kind of <laughs> remember that, that and recovery. Now, and now they're older. Now they're you know, 15, 20 years older. And they think, oh, I don't know if I want to do that again. Well, and also other medical problems may intervene. Yep. You know, one of the things that people really have to do is maximize, get your blood pressure down, get your, get your sugar levels down. Don't have a surgery if you've got diabetes that's wild and out of control. You'll get an infection. Those studies have been done repeatedly. Maximizing your medical conditions, the other prerequisite you've got to do. And that's really where I come in. Yep. So once they see you and you say, time to do surgery, and they say, I'm ready, now it's my job to make sure they're prepared. We always do that. I always have a, a medical clearance. You kind of need to do it yep. just to make sure. Well, it has been a pleasure. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. It's lovely being here. It goes by fast, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, We're going to have to have you come on again and talk about another joint. And hopefully you won't need any knee replacements anytime soon. I'm kind of hoping that I can just avoid that uh, potential as well. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can always click on our podcast, whypublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Again, thank you to Dr. Mark Santi from Kaiser Permanente for joining us today and educating us about knee replacement surgery, the ins and outs, and hopefully making sure that those who need it get it done when they need it, and no sooner and no later than that. We are going to be right here next week. We'll see you again talking about more great medical stuff right here on The Body Show.